Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. This episode of Right Lane is sponsored by the Scripps Howard Awards. The Scripps Howard Foundation and Right Lane are collaborating to spotlight some of the best journalism of 2019. The awards show will be April 16th in Cincinnati. In the weeks ahead, we'll talk with some of the Scripps winners on this podcast. So today's topic, murder your darlings. Joining us on the podcast today is Roy Peter Clark, the author of the book with that title. It's his latest. And if you're smart, you've already picked up at least one of Roy's earlier books. He's written or edited 19 of them, six in the last 12 years. He's much more productive than we are, Lane. Um, You'll probably want to add this to your collection. Roy offers great advice for making you a stronger reporter, editor, and writer. He is still teaching at the Pointer Institute. Before that, uh, he was a writing coach at the St. Petersburg Times. Lane and I have been remiss in not getting him on the podcast before now, so we're glad to fix that. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Yeah. So let's talk about this book. Yeah. What'd you do here? Well, um... (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say that I was getting a manicure one time. (laughs) This is an interesting segue. And um, from uh, a a woman, Jane, who has known the family for a long time. And she said uh, to me, um, uh, Karen said that you've got a new book out. I said, yeah. She says, what's it called? I said, Murder Your Darling. She says, I love Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's not this. <laughs> so it's no, um, the subtitle is, uh, and other gentle writing advice from Aristotle to Zinzer. And um, if you think about it, Aristotle to Zinzer. Okay, so I'm playing the uh, A to Z trope. Uh Ben Yagoda, the, the, uh, the, who writes beautifully about writing, I told him if it wasn't for Bill Zinzer, he, it would have been Aristotle to Yagoda. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, I had, his, I had this, the A man and the Z man. But uh, Aristotle is, uh, is, is about writing about, um, he's uh, 300 BC. Zinzer passed away uh, a couple of years ago. So it's essentially 2,300 years of uh, people trying to figure out how, to write. how this works. <laughs> Reading, writing, storytelling, making meaning, finding an audience, finding your voice. Uh, and so um, I was, when, I, when I was kind of looking for an idea, I bumped into an old episode of Seinfeld, uh, um, we're one of those families where uh, if you don't quote Seinfeld once a day, you know, they want to take away um, your, uh, your family card. And uh, in, in one episode, um, you know, that the Kramer, 
the crazy man, he has one great um, literary success. He writes a coffee table book about coffee tables. And, and it looks bu- like a coffee table. And the right book now. has these little <laughs> legs that fold down. It creates a little... And he, he's, at one point he says, yeah, I sold the film rights. <laughs> That's a good joke. So I said, well, Kramer could write a coffee table book about coffee tables. Maybe I could write a writing book. Wait for it. About writing books. And so... Uh, that's what we have here. In a way, I'm paying back the authors of about 50 books on writing and language and journalism um, for the things that they taught me. But something else that's, uh, uh, that's, that's going on, uh, at the very end, just before I handed in the final um uh, the final manuscript, uh, I was blessed by um, this uh, quote, this note I got from Paul Kramer, who is a historian at Vanderbilt, is a fantastic writer. He said to me, he says, you know, in the largest sense, you're hosting what's likely to be the liveliest gathering of word nerds history has ever assembled. <laughs> um, and, and, when he said that to me, I literally had these dreams of like Aristotle coming to life and meeting Kurt Vonnegut and having a conversation, you know, about uh, about something. So that's what the the book is about. Each chapter tries to describe um, an important writing lesson that I learned or someone I know very well learned from these particular books. So I'm paying back. Uh, what I owe the, these uh, these authors. So correct me if I'm wrong, Lane, but I think this is the first reference to Kramer from Seinfeld on this podcast, and it may also be the first reference to Aristotle. I was just going to say, I don't think we've hosted Aristotle in this uh-huh. either. So, <laughs> you know, listening to you talk about that, though, it, it's sort of intimidating, right, to think that for 2,000 years people have been trying to figure out how to write. Good luck with that now, people. So, um, okay, so... Uh, High school teacher. I work with high school teachers uh, and and public school language arts teachers who I think are heroes, and they're champions. Uh, in fact, uh, the book is dedicated to both. Um, I want to say this because it'll reveal my um, my passion and my uh, uh, my strongest feelings. So this book is is devoted to all reading and writing teachers, especially in public schools, to all journalists who speak truth to power in the public interest. You deserve medals as champions of literacy and democracy. Thank you for your service. And I say that to the three of you as well. Um, And, um, you know, so um, my thing is I try to learn something new about the craft every day. High school teachers said, what we're always looking for are mentor texts. Mentor text is their technical word for a little piece of writing of indeterminate length, which not only communicates its message, but it kind of reveals, if you look hard enough, how it's created. So you can not, you read it and you not only um, can learn about love, but you can learn about the structure of a sonnet. You can, you can kind of, I call it x-ray reading where you look down beneath the surface of the text. So I like to take this, my favorite one is, uh, my favorite example is a Shakespeare line. 
which you've probably heard me talk about before, but it's so interesting and so effective, um, where Lady Macbeth dies and there's a scream off stage and the messenger walks up to Macbeth and says, the queen, my lord, is dead. And uh, my daughter Allison was in a, a version of Macbeth, a Halloween version of Macbeth, the Georgia Shakespeare. And I heard this line. It was like this weird like visitation from Shakespeare. He says, listen to the line, stupid. Listen to it. Read it again. And I realized that he had written it in a way that I would not have written it. That he wrote, the queen, my lord, is dead. Where I would have written, the queen is dead, my lord. And what's the difference? Oh, it's like all the difference in the world, it turns out. Because he takes the least emphatic word, Lord, and he tucks it in the middle. And he places the most emphatic word at the end. The queen, my lord, is dead. Period. Full stop. Drop the mic. Whereas what I did, the queen is dead, my lord. I take the most emphatic word and I hide it in the middle of the sentence. And I take the the least emphatic word, and I put it at the end. So I said to myself, man, you've just discovered, you know, this, the best writing tool of all time. Emphatic word order, place the most emphatic word in a sentence at the end. Yeah, until, until I read, um, someone referred me to uh, um, 2,000 years ago to a, a Roman orator and teacher named Quintilian, to whom I devote a chapter in the book, uh, where he says to, to speech, riot, speech uh, uh, orators, he says, you know, you might be tempted um, very often, you may find that you have a, a good word or phrase or image, and, uh, but it's hiding in the middle of a sentence or, uh, or a paragraph, and if you just bring it out to the end you know, it'll have much more uh, effect. So what I thought I had invented is uh, at least 2,000 years old. So Shakespeare uh, probably still from Quintilian, <laughs> right? I think it's interesting because I, I think we all have this in common that we are um, still learning, always still trying to learn and, and take something away from, you know, you read something, you, yeah. you find some piece of advice. I mean, you're, you're, you're uh, every day, like just even in conversation with Lane, I mean, we just talking over a story and why, why things work or why they don't work. And I think, I think one of the things you're pushing people to think about with this book and others of yours is just, you know, you can get better at this. This mm -hmm. is like building up muscles. This is like, you know, studying what you're doing and looking at the patterns you're doing and kind of, and one of the things you, you do in this book is you actually, you give people lessons like of yeah. like, yeah, go do this, go try to do this thing now and see, 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 you know, put this into practice. So there's a book, we have a bookstore in town. I've been, have you been to the Tyrone mall lately? Anybody? Anybody go to the Not mall anymore? Three, two, one books. Three, two, one. I know. You want to put a little ad for three, two, one books? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the cool things, so it's, you can buy a $3 for hardcover, $2 for paperback, and I think for kids, they're like a buck, right? But um, sadly, some colleges, universities are, uh, um, they're getting rid of their libraries, uh, they, and so 321 has these, uh, these stacks and stacks of old library books. And I purchased, um, I, I found some amazing treasures there. And there's, um, there's one I want to refer to. It's quite astonishing to me. Uh, it's called 
Fables of Identity, Studies in Poetic Mythology, which sounds kind of overblown and sort of academic. But lesson- I was going to say, I'm not even sure who stops at that book, but would you have stopped at that book? No, I would have left that on the shelf. But Roy, you thought there was something in there. Well, I knew a guy from Canada who thought he was Northrop Fry's illegitimate son. I'm not oh. kidding. <laughs> Hello. It's personal now. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> oh, that guy. So, so, but, but, uh, so here's the lesson that I, that I drew out of this. He, he says that everybody reads a, a, a book, story. Everybody reads a story two times. I said, well, no, I don't do that. Um, but what he was saying was, Everybody reads a story sequentially. Um, my wife and I are watching uh, The Outsider, the HBO series. And so we're waiting for the next episode. Why? Because we need to know what's going to happen next. We're dying to know. And so we go in and whatever the story is, let's say uh, Goldfinger, by James Bond. This happens, this happens, this happens. Right? And at some point, we kind of start to predict what's, how it's going to turn out. And sometimes that prediction is fulfilled and sometimes, uh, sometimes not. But he says, like, but we read it again, he said, in our memories. And when we read it in our memories, we're not inclined to think about it sequentially. We think about it in a completely different way. And the words that we have to describe what that way is are things like theme, um, archetype, premise, myth, nut graph in journalism. What is the nut graph? It's that attempt to break out of the, the linear sequence and to say, you know, um, yeah, so I know at some point... Um, in Goldfinger, um, uh, Goldfinger, the villain has got a, has got, uh, James Bond on a, a metal table and is aiming a laser up between his legs or things like that. So, I mean, I remember that as an episode, but, I, but in terms of where it falls, it no longer matters. What I'm thinking now is just like how cool this guy is and, what a great adventure it was, and I can't wait to see uh, the next one. So I think, I think uh, writers don't, sometimes storytellers don't attend to that in ways that they, they might or could uh, because they're so focused on relating the, the sequential narrative that the other elements, what are people going to remember? What are people going to get out of this? I think all of us as writers, no matter what we're writing, I need to think more about that. And so that book, which is actually a new book for me, uh, sort of pinned that down. So I knew I wanted to include. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. How did you have something new to say after 19 books about writing? Well, 
uh, it's because of my, I don't often use this word, but um, it's because of my asymptote. I don't think we've had that word on the podcast either. We have definitely not had. In fact, when I was reading this and I got to that word, I wasn't even sure how to pronounce it. So I'm glad that Roy pronounced it. <laughs> so, and he can use it in a sentence, which, yeah. So my daughter, Lauren, who who is a, um, a math tutor at St. Pete College, um, was the only other person in my family. Um, uh, she knew what an asymptote was. And she actually, she drew it. She drew it on, the, on a little chart. So it's pretty easy, uh, uh, and, I, and I, I bumped into it, another writer who, who talked about his, his asymptote. And um, the, is somebody gonna kick me in the asymptote before this is all right? <laughs> so if you think about a, a graph, right? A mathematical graph, and you think about, and you draw a vertical line, and then you draw a curved line, there are some curved lines that mathematically get closer and closer and closer to that vertical line, but they never reach it to infinity. Why? Because that distance, you take that distance and you can reduce it by half, by half, by half to infinity. So the, in mathematical terms, it's something that approaches something else, but never, uh, never attains it. So... As a personal goal or ideal, it's like saying, I want to create a nation of writers, you know, which was an introduction to my book, uh, Writing Tools. Uh, well, yeah, how's that going to work out for me? However, if you hold it up as this ideal that you know you can never reach, but you could always get closer to it, it's mo- motivating. And so it is this notion that every single day, um, I want to learn something new about uh, my craft. So um, I just bought a book the other day um, by the woman who created the um, the, the, the 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 series um, um, Fleabag. Mm, mm-hmm. Phoebe P- Phoebe Waller. Yes, I can't remember her last okay. name now, too. But yes. Um, so uh, what I what I discovered in the bookstore was that um, that series, um, that uh, the screenplay that she had written, it's called um, Fleabag, The Scriptures. And uh, I had never read um, a um, a screenplay of like a a television series in as much detail as she's sort of writing. So, I mean, this is is like brand new uh, genre for me in terms of, how to create it and how to work, uh, you know, from the sort of the inside out. So if you're looking to learn, if you, so my goal is to learn. And then once I learn, my goal is then to share. And, um, and you're still learning. Still learning, still, still share. sharing. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, just Thank to you. give her her. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's because, and that's a different, it's, you know, it's not, it, Typically, you would think, oh, well, you come from a journalism background, so you're looking for journalism books. But um, it is fun to discover inspiration in, in people who write screenplays and people who make movies, people who songwrite. We've talked a lot about different ways to find yeah. that. Who do you see as the audience for this book? Or who do you want, hope is the audience? You know, I gave a, um, a little writing workshop 
at a brand new bookstore in town, uh, St. Pete, Tombolo. And it was on a, it was 6.30 on a Wednesday night. And, um, and a little, it's a, it's a, it's a cozy bookstore. Uh, and I said to her, I said to the owner, Alsace, her name is, great lover of names as we all are, I think. Alsace Wallentine, like Valentine with a W. I said to her, every day is Wallentine's Day, right? <laughs> At Tumbelo Books. And um, she said it's going to be a full house. And, uh, you know, it turned out, I don't know, there were like 50 or 60 uh, people there. And what was so interesting was that when I signed a few books afterwards, I always asked them, well, what's your name? How do you spell it? What do you do? And one person said, um, well, uh, I've just retired. Uh, I'm a, uh, was, was a, an emergency room nurse. And I said, uh, wow. I said, I bet you've got some stories to tell. And she said, I'm thinking about it. I wonder if you guys had the same experience that I had. When I was growing up, there were people, we were all expected, right? We were all expected to read. Um, we, uh, if we couldn't read, we were impaired. Uh, and so we were encouraged uh, to improve our reading skills. And we knew that as a social literacy, um, re- reading would help us be better students, um, getting to, you know, be better uh, on the job. And uh, as citizens, if we ever wanted to express ourselves that way. Um, but writing um, wasn't, was, it was funny. Writing was considered something more refined and singular. So sometimes a teacher would go and would say, Lane, you know, you could be a writer. And of course, we writers saying, oh, well, thank you, thank you. But now I'm thinking, all right, what about the other 34 kids in the class? Um, why can't they be writers too? And so one of the expressions of my mission, both in schools and in the professions, is to, um, it's to say to people, look, my name is Roy Clark, and I'm a golfer. Uh, I also happen to be uh, a musician. But guess what? I'm not Tiger Woods, and I'm not Jimi Hendrix. But because I do these things, I feel like I can identify as uh, a golfer or a musician. And you don't need to be, you know, the, the scarecrow. Uh, on the Wizard of Oz, you don't need a credential to be called a writer. Simply by getting out your little spiral notebook and, um, you know, a page a day is a book a year, whatever it happens to be, you can be, you can be part of this, this community. And most people opt out um, very early in life um, in terms of, uh, of literacy in general. So I think it's, and I think that's not good for, uh, for them. And it's certainly not good for the, the society as a whole. So, um, I have the broadest definition of who a writer can be. 
and uh, want to help anybody who uh, wants to step inside the circle. There's no wall. So the book's for everyone. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and then, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really impressed at some of the names I had never heard. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that you, you found on a bookshelf or in your home, because you must have an enormous library. Um, but, you know, they, uh, there's a ni- it seems like a nice collection of, of reference points and different like, people you just don't come across and very often. And each chapter has a lesson like a spelled out lesson. So if you are a teacher or an educator, that's a wonderful take home for to send with your students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Try to make it as, um, as, as practical as possible. Uh, um, So chapter two is devoted to uh, Mr. Zinzer. Now, um, Bill Zinzer passed away about two or three years ago at the age of say about 92 or 93. Uh, I wrote an essay about him when he turned 90 I met I met him met him when he was about sixty years old, and he had published the book um, on writing well, which sold a million copies over uh, you know thirty years. And as I was kind of coming up, uh, I wrote this essay saying, "Man, no matter how much I try, um, I keep eating this old guy's dust. You know, he's just uh, he just beats me to the finish line. I go to Amazon, my book's like number three or four running. He's always number two or number one with like Strunk and White, you know. And so, um, uh, I get a phone call, and it's Bill Zinzer. Okay, so Bill Zinzer now is ninety-one years old. He's living in his apartment in Manhattan, where he was a well-known editor. And uh, students, he was blind, okay? And students would come to him uh, and to talk about their writing. And then, um, and he said, I can talk to you for about 15 minutes um, before my tutor arrives. And I thought, I didn't understand what he was saying. I thought, like, the person he was going to tutor, he was going to tutor? No, no, he was taking poetry lessons, from a young tutor at the age of like 91. Talk about an asymptote, right? I mean, trying to learn something new. About <laughs> and the last thing he, sa- he said to me, last thing he ever said to me, let's keep this mission going. Now, that's inspirational for me. But when you go to his book, on, on t- these two pages early in the book, I used to, I hadn't memorized the number, but like, so let's say 16 and 17. What he does is, he takes an earlier version of those two pages, like a fourth or fifth draft, and he demonstrates how many additional words he can eliminate from the text, what he calls clutter. So the, the, the example that I, is in my brain all the time is, here's a phrase where he wrote, you know, the, something like the writer wants to keep the reader on the proper path which I think is a perfectly good sentence. And I'd be hard-pressed to, to change a rise. But you see in the text that he's taken a pencil and he's crossed out proper. This is to keep the reader on the path. In other words, he n- understood that path, if someone's on the path, unless they're on the wrong path, then you don't need proper. So um, that's what I mean, a combination of inspiration and practical advice to be able to learn how to see your own text in a ways to identify the words that are not doing any useful work. 
So carrying on the mission here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a question for Roy or for Lane, or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to us at writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Or find us on our Facebook group. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.